This is the EWN Podcast Network. When life and business is chaotic, it is hard to see the beauty that comes from it. But I'm here to tell you, you are not alone. I am your host, Ashley Stone, and I am your chaos coordinator. I believe there's always a message in the mess we can experience in our personal lives and in business. So join me on the journey of running multiple businesses, self-caring it up, and designing a life for my family. This won't be just my story. It will be the many stories of remarkable women that have inspired me and will inspire you to discover the beauty behind the chaos. Hey beauties, my name is Ashley Nicole Stone and I am your host of Beauty Behind Chaos and I am so excited. Every single time I do these episodes, I'm always so excited and I am here not alone today. Yay! I am here with a very good friend of mine, Raylene, and uh, she's going to share a little bit about herself and we are going to just dive into whatever comes up in this conversation. (laughs) Kick it off, Raylene. Who, Who you are and what do you do? Alrighty. Well, let's see who am I. That's, that's a, <laughs> that's a loaded time, question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly evolving. Yes. Uh, my name is Raylene Moore. I am a mother, a sister, um, a wife, uh, an educator, all of the above, all the time, ever evolving. Um, my husband and I grew up in Southeast Oklahoma, a little bitty town of like 5,000 people. Oh my gosh. We've known each other since third grade. Uh, we're like the best of friends growing up. We always called each other frenemies. Um, <laughs> we, we, that's, uh, that's how you know a little boy likes. You. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so we never dated at all during school. We went our separate ways after, after we graduated, um, both eventually joined the military, kind of went everywhere. Um, finally got back together in 2010 and it was like, we were never apart. Oh my and gosh. So we have a blended family. We have a total of eight kids, um, oh ranging in age from our oldest will actually be 27 um, two weeks from now, wow. and then our youngest is seven. So everywhere in between. That's a, that's a so big kinda, gap. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> crazy. So I get to thinking about I've been at this whole parenting thing for almost three decades, and that makes me feel really old. Um, <laughs> I was just about to say, I, like that's exactly what it is. Like the kids get older, but you're like, I'm not getting older. Right. No, so no. I don't know how that's working yeah. over there. How does that? Because I'm supposed to be your age. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. supposed to be still making the mistakes that you're making. <laughs> and we still are. <laughs> but they don't have to know about it. It's right. fine. Exactly. It's totally fine. Exactly. So, but no, I um, I have, I work full time for a, nat- a nonprofit organization called the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. It's also known as TAPS. We're a nonprofit organization that basically steps in anytime there's any type of a military loss. We step in and help out um, with the families, the survivors, <clears throat> and anything that they could need, whether it be, you know, help navigating funeral arrangements, VA benefits, um, connecting from my team specifically, uh, goes in and anytime they're needing counseling or um, support group, we help find connections in their community is what we do. So um, I have a very long history as far as how I got there. And I kind of, we were talking about the ribbons before and we'll kind of get into that. But um, I, whenever I was 10 years old is when my brother was born. And (laughs) whenever he was born, I was the only one in the family that was disappointed. Well, I have. <laughs> How I many have, siblings were there? I have. Uh, I'm the oldest of three. Okay. So my sister was three and a half years younger than I am. Okay. And huge tomboy, like the tomboyest of tomboys. You at were. The time. No, she was. Oh, okay. And so whenever we, uh, for her sixth birthday, 
um, she had a party and all of that. And that evening we were sitting around as a family and she tells my parents, do you know what I wished for for my birthday? Oh, and they said, what? And she was like, I want a baby brother. Oh my gosh. My Man, mom that found girl's... out the next day that she was pregnant. Stop. <laughs> oh not, my gosh. So lo and behold, nine months pass, babe, bouncing baby boy was yeah. welcomed into the world. Everybody in the family was excited because they had me, they had my sister, so now they had the boy. The boy yeah. Except for in my mind, I already had a brother because yeah. my sister was such a tomboy. I was very disappointed. So, but eventually he grew up to be one of my absolute favorite people in the whole world. He was a prankster. He was just the, just the biggest teddy bear. He was just amazing. Um, <clears throat> we lost him to suicide in February of 17. Oh my gosh, girl. I did not and, know where that story was about yeah. to go. Um, we lost him to suicide. He had been, um, a part of the, uh, the air national guard in Oklahoma and they had deployed, um, a couple of times that he had been on deployments at some point while he was overseas, he got exposed to something. And there were several of them in his unit that actually came down with cancer afterwards and he fought it for years and, um, we thought he was in remission and, um, we, we found this out afterwards, obviously, um, but his cancer had come back and the doctors had told them if his cancer ever came back, the chances of him losing his eyesight was pretty significant. Okay. And so we found out afterwards via digging through email and text messages and photos and, you know, notes that he had left for himself and that type of thing that his cancer had come back. He had been fighting with the VA for quite some time, trying to get a PET scan and Mm -hmm. had been unable to achieve that. And I think the prospect of, he was a welder by trade. And so I think the prospect of him losing facing that um, was just too much for him to take. And so after a spiral, after losing him, I had at the time, I had a bachelor's in disaster emergency management. And I was a, a member of the 136th airlift wing out here at the Naval Air Station here in Fort Worth. And I kind of went on a spiral of, I, you know, I, after having <laughs> for the longest time put him at, a, at an arm's length yeah. of, you know, I don't want to deal with you, don't want to deal with you. And then all of a sudden yeah. he's one of my favorite people in the world. And then losing that, it was like, well, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. What do I do? And so I decided that um, I was going to get a master's degree in crisis response and trauma counseling. And that I wanted to help anybody that had gone through what we went through mm. and help them in the aftermath of it. Yeah. And so and you can relate. You yeah, get absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so that's kind of what put me on the trajectory that, uh, that I have been on the past couple of years. That's incredible. I, there is something to be said about when someone takes trauma like that or any type of, you know, negative experience. And instead of, you know, wallowing in it and getting stuck it's like you, I mean, you have to go through that process of like grieving and, and all of those things, but like, and taking that pain and turning it into purpose. It's that growth mentality versus that fixed mentality. Yes. It's a huge, there's a huge difference between the two. There's something I think too, to it as well. That's like also a healing process. Absolutely. Like it will also help you in that process. I mean, it doesn't make it easier, but at least, you know, you're like, you're now putting purpose to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then I, um, from there I was, I was planning on my, my original goal was I was going to go into crisis and crisis and response trauma counseling is kind of where I was originally focused. 
And then another event occurred. And July of this year, I was had completing my master's. I was on my last, last hurdle of it and was looking that this fall was going to be when I was getting into my, you know, starting my, uh, you have to go through an associate's aspect before you can get your actual, uh, you know, LPC, you have to, okay. you know, you have to have a certain amount of, of hours and stuff. And so I was very much gearing up for this fall was when I was going to start all those hours. There's like 3000 hours that you have to get Oh in. my gosh. <clears throat> and, uh, I, we were on vacation in Wisconsin, um, which I lived in Wisconsin for 14 years. And I get a phone call that my grandfather is only had been expecting for him to, to kind of go at any time. His health hadn't been the best and he had been in the hospital for about a month. And so we got a phone call that it was, it was getting close to time. Mm-hmm. And so we made it back and we were in the hospital with him and kind of, you know, family gathering around saying our final goodbyes and stuff. And my aunt and I stayed the night overnight and the next morning, um, he sat up and ate breakfast and he you know, was sitting there talking to us like nothing was wrong. Mm. And I get a phone call that completely, absolutely altered my trajectory yet again. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Potts, who was my friend, my mentor, my confidant um, out at the Naval Air Station, had passed away in a tragic accident with his family while on vacation in Mexico. Mm. And all of a sudden, everything shifted again. And instead of being on one path, I got put on something completely different. And I started thinking back to the last time I saw Potsy, as we mm-hmm. called him. And he, um, the very final words he ever said to me was when I had, I had left out, uh, I had been a full-time technician out at the Naval Air Station. And we were having a goodbye luncheon because I was leaving. And he and I were one of the very last people to leave. And he walked me out to the parking lot and he gave me a hug. And he said, really, I just want to let you know that I am so proud of the work you're doing Mm. and everybody that you're going to help. And I'm just so proud of everything you've done. And those are the very last words he ever said to me. And so now I am reevaluating where I am and what I'm doing and am I on the right path? And I'm determined to make both of them proud of me all Mm. the time. And so I am currently working on my doctorate in traumatology. So, (laughs) and I, I seriously want to take this and work on resiliency for people. Um, resiliency is a thing that has come back to me time and time again, that growth mentality of how do you take things that are people that are so, such an intricate part of your life and all of a sudden they're gone. And how do you deal with that? How do you cope? How do you, how do you put one foot in front of the other and process it? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so there are a tremendous amount of, of resources and stuff that are out there for people and techniques and things that but people don't know about them right and being able to get that into hands not only after a traumatic event has occurred and and trauma happens to everybody yeah and it, and it happens in you know it can be something as simple as a fender bender i was gonna say or, there and there's no i like there's, there's different i don't know how to explain it someone said it to me one time it's like um 
my trauma is not worse than your trauma. No, it's just different. It's just different. And how our body reacts, how our mind reacts, how it can range and it's different too. And those tools and those resources, I think mental health in general is something that I maybe over time has become more of a conversation, but for a long time, it was a jaded Mm -hmm. topic. It's like, you didn't talk about it. Yeah. You didn't talk about it. And you, if anything, it was like, oh, you're crazy. Like, oh, to see a therapist? What? Like you wouldn't openly say that you're seeing a therapist. You know what I mean? People would think something of that. Um, or, you know, that's come a long way. Yeah. Have a very long way to go. Absolutely. I think everything coming out of COVID too, it's tremendously helped. Oh my gosh. At the same time, at the same time, COVID, COVID did kind of created trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Created a lot of trauma. Um, it made it to where things like using technology Mm. to be able to access access, yeah, has made tremendous amount of strides. We still have a long way to go as far as, um, in policy and that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, being able for therapists, like once you, you know, once you get your, your credentials and that type of thing, you can only work in the States you're certified in. Mm-hmm. And so being able to that reciprocity between States and stuff is still a big issue, especially with the increase in technology and being able to do telehealth and right. teletherapy and that type of thing still can't cross state lines. And a lot of times, unless there's state by state reciprocity and that type of thing. Oh, so, wow. but yeah, um, for me, it's a matter of my focus is education, resiliency, education Okay, um, is where I is my primary focus in life right now. Um, and being able to, like I said, not just after a traumatic event has occurred, but before being able to learn those, those techniques and stuff prior to something happening. Mm. So that whenever something does happen, you can be like, I got this. You've kind of got built in mm-hmm. coping skills. Yeah. Then you can deal with the actual grief aspect or the, you know, fill in the blank, depending on what type of issue you're having. Right. You still have those like baseline. I got this. Right. So Right. I think on the, on the level of, so I did an episode, girl, I was so vulnerable. It's like, I feel even uncomfortable being like, did I really just put that out there? And I didn't even actually go through the mental health part of it, but it was just like, I talked about the trauma that I had experienced mm-hmm. and like, I was a teenager and what I've, for me, what I've, discovered in my like passion and and through even this podcast is I want to kind of bring these different dynamic conversations. But what I realized over the years is that when I started connecting with people behind my chair that I was, you know, doing their hair and you, after a while you get to know people, right. And you start sharing conversations, you realize like how many people have experienced some really tough stuff. And then how many people don't, they just kind of like shove it to the side or they don't know how to process it. So they put it on a shelf, but it always kind of comes back. It's like it comes back in ways that they don't even Oh my gosh, realize. don't even realize. Yes. And that's something like I want to do a future episode kind of surrounding that, but this is a great way to kind of even touch on what I talked about and what I shared. I talked about um, physical abuse and sexual assault. And I experienced those things in my teenage years. And like, honestly, when I did have the moment to go and share with someone to be like, this is what happened, or I'm so confused. Oh my, like I was almost like, you know, uh, fight flight freeze. I was in freeze mode and I was just kind of numb and I didn't know what to do. And then when I would talk to someone, it's like, you know, I talked to my best friend at the time and we're all young and right. it's like, well, what did you do? Did you say something? Yeah, like, something that victim, did you? Like, yeah. yeah. And it was just like, I think even for like educating children and teenagers and having those types of conversations prior to things happening, exactly. but like something needs, cause then, cause then like 
you don't handle the situation properly. And, and that's kind of like what happened. It was just like, okay, I can't tell anybody. Like I know what I experienced and I know that it was not like my fault, but at the same time, you almost kind of start to go, well, was it, well, could I've done this different? And, and maybe, and especially when I was in an abusive relationship, I was in an abusive relationship for two years. And like, even in that, it's like, I deserved it. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have done that. I made him mad. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. just like, Absolutely. But I didn't realize at the time what would ensue later down the line, and that will be a future episode. But I developed – and I had depression, and I was suicidal at 20. And um, I, from then, you know, got the therapy, you know, started trying to get the help, and um, I took a break from it. And then it turned into PTSD, and I started having triggers. And I was like, what the hell is happening to me? Like, I don't really understand it, you know? And it's like – you don't like, especially PTSD. So, and when a lot of um, times when the conversation comes up about PTSD and I go, oh yeah, I was diagnosed with PTSD. People would be like, what? Like, cause they correlate it to veterans combat. and yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And at the same time, although I can't relate to combat and it's, it's not comparable, but the, what's happening in the brain. It is. It yeah. is. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So, cause that was my biggest thing is I, I'm like you, it's like, I want to educate myself. And so I didn't want to just be medicated. I didn't want to, I wanted to learn. And I ended up going to, have you heard of, you had heard of EMDR therapy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So a lot of people don't talk about EMDR therapy for trauma. And I ended up going through EMDR therapy. It's the, it it's was amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Insane. It's really hard work, the, but. The evidence, the evidence behind it, and, and they, they continue to do studies on it on a regular basis right now. And the. The studies are just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I I was a part of that. What sucked for me is that I was I was in that for three years. I was seeing the progress. I mean, so much was was so good from that. And then COVID hit and mm-hmm. and telehealth wasn't, they were still trying to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist was just kind of like, you know, we'll figure it out how we can still meet, but it all completely fell off. I spiraled out. I started struggling with depression and all of that. And then I, and then I jumped and moved to Texas. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I never picked up EMDR since and I had to navigate certain things. And then I, I think at that point I was three years, three and a half years into doing EMDR that I had enough tools in my toolbox right. where I could navigate things. But it makes me go, like it makes me think about the people that don't have those tools yep. in the toolbox. So I've been trying to navigate, like even with this pot, like Beauty Behind Chaos really – for me is derived from my own chaos that has turned into these beautiful things of learning. Right. And, and just in, how do and I help putting others? That, the, the tools that you now have, yeah. giving those to others, yeah. finding that outlet to be able to give those to others. And that's where I feel so pulled. Like, just like you, like you want to go into education. And I'm just like, I want it. People need to know about some of these conversations and mm-hmm. these tools and these different things. Like, that people, you know, everyone experiences some kind of trauma. I think about so, I, I think back so often about how much I struggled directly after my brother's death. Mm. Um, and then how I have handled uh, Potsy's death. Yeah. And the comparison between the two of, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I mourn both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I miss them both dearly, but how I dealt with my brother's death versus Potsy's death has been tremendously different. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the skills that I've learned yep. in between in that, that five-year gap in between losing the two of them and all of the education that I have gone through and 
<laughs> endured and put myself through yeah. attempting to make myself better, yeah. you know, um, had set me up to be able to handle grief so much better now. Right. And we lost my, we lost my father-in-law last year to cancer. Um, we found out he had cancer and we lost him within three weeks. Um, it was a very rapid, which I'm very thankful for. And the fact that he didn't suffer right. a very long time, but it was very, very fast. And again, it goes back to, I think it, you process my coping, it yeah, yeah, my coping and my, my processing between those different events, the, the, the things that have happened in between yeah. have made a tremendous difference. So let's talk about that. So what are some of the tools um, that you would recommend or like in terms of educating people? Like what's, I know it's a 45 minute podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> you have a whole nother couple of podcasts on right? that. Right? I know. Um, no, I, there is one book in particular mm -hmm. that I recommend anyone and everyone read. Um, it's called Stronger, and it's by George Everly, um, Dr. George Everly. He is a he currently works at Johns Hopkins University. Um, he is the one of the founders of psychological first aid. And psychological first oh aid my gosh, is I love exactly that. what you would think it would be. Um, is you know we talk about first aid and the aspect of like you know Physical. car accident happens yeah. and somebody gets a scrape and you doctor them up and get them ready for that's the name of a book does someone got a book in psychological yes. first aid yes he does that is like so <laughs> yeah, absolutely second accurate. edition just like, came out actually oh my gosh um, but but you know you doctor them up in the meantime so that they can get to the hospital and get long-term care yeah 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 psychological first aid is the exact same thing it's used in crisis response a lot um where you're you're stabilizing them you're mm. getting them mentally are, are are you making sure that they know they're physically okay yeah that you know and giving them some very very basic fundamental psychological things that they can do yeah and then moving them on to your long-term therapists and in working through working through the long-term road of therapy and that type of thing. Because so, like subconsciously, like you might like on the surface be like, I'm good. I'm fine. Like right. all is fine. I'm like, and then no problem. Later. Exactly. That's, that's the thing that like, I think people, you, you're not really meant to realize because subconsciously that's how your subconscious works. It's like deep mm -hmm. in there. And it's yeah. like this, like memory, that's a, think of it like memory foam. And yeah, it's just exactly. like taking it in, taking in the impact, but then it's like, it's, it's there. Like yeah. it's, and then it's also knowing like what's quote unquote normal yeah, and what's not. And so being able to look for red flags, like being able to say, okay, like, you know, say for example, a hurricane comes in, mm -hmm. you know, and then meeting with those people afterwards, preparing them that, okay, it may feel like you're the only one in history that's ever gone through this. Yeah. But in fact, you're not. These are things that we throughout time have realized are normal coping mechanisms, are normal responses, but these things are not. So if you start to see these things in yourself or in mm. those around you. It's like awareness. Uh, yeah. The, that's when those are those red flags that need to be addressed. And so being able to give that education and that knowledge to people. But uh, Dr. George Everly has come out with a book. It's called Stronger. Okay. And in it, he talks we'll link about, that to you yeah, in the description. absolutely. It's an amazing book. Like I said, I recommend, I recommend his psychological first aid <laughs> yes. to everyone also, <laughs> but I rec I recommend the book stronger because it goes into 
the different aspects of resiliency okay. and what the, the like the foundation, the, the base structures of resiliency are. And I'm not going to go into those because those will take, I'll, yeah. I'll go down a completely different rabbit hole with that. But there are five, he goes into the five basic uh, building blocks of resiliency. And it's amazing. It's just It kind of reminds me of like, like how you think about growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Like this is a part of growth mindset. It's really learning these different tools and it like just correlating it to like business and entrepreneurship. It's like the things that I surround myself in, the, the conversations that you are listening to, the books that you're reading, the podcasts that you listen to, all of those things. It all links together. It links together yeah. and subconsciously you are developing and like, and then on the surface you start to see the results. And you also start to not, you know, if if you, especially like with business and that type of thing, you make mistakes Mm -hmm. and that's, and you, and you, you make mistakes and you learn from them and you grow from them. And by learning from them and growing from them is how you not repeat them. Yeah. My husband and I talk about this all the time. He's a history professor. And he, oh you know, gosh, history professor. <laughs> the conversations in your house must be like so dynamic. <laughs> history professor and mental health and everything, yeah. grief counseling. Well, our seven year old's interesting to talk to. Oh my so. gosh, I know. I love that. Like the kids <laughs> that soak into like what the so, parents do. But she, uh, but we we talk about this a lot. Um, how most people hate studying history mm-hmm. because I it's history. History. <laughs> History teachers in high school and middle school and that type of thing have notoriously made it very boring. Yeah. Because they make you memorize dates. Mm -hmm. What's the point of memorizing a date? Yeah. What does it it matter? And one of the things that he and I talk about a lot are, okay, well, there's a date in history and there's a date in history, say, 100 years later. How do the two correlate together? How do they tie together those ribbons in between that connect everything? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with you know, trauma events and learning and evolving and business. And you have an event that happens and you learn from it and it doesn't matter exactly when the date was, right? you know, but you, you, what what occurred, what occurred and what happened was the reaction and how did it, how did it happen? What events prior to it made it happen and how does that correlate and make it relevant to today mm-hmm. and how can we not repeat mistakes and not repeat history and you know going back to the trauma aspect how do we how do we not deal with things the way we have in the past right or in business how do we not make that mistake again right you know? it all ties together it's those ribbons in between oh my gosh I love that and so so with that okay so ribbons in between that I had a going back to some of the things that I, I want to cover so much here to like point out to people like, do you see this? Do you know, like, <laughs> does anybody else know this? So, um, I talked about my own journey in terms of just like Facebook and memories. Like, cause we have social, like we're documenting everything and I'm a big documenter. I love documenting things, document the story, like seeing how things kind of grow and progress because that's become my learning journey too, of learning even from myself. So being aware, like if you don't know history and if you don't know what occurred prior. Well, how important it is to know about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so like you're doomed, you're doomed to repeat it. There's like a, I'm infamous on this, on these shows, also knowing quotes, but not knowing quotes. <laughs> I can never get them. I can never get them all right. But it's like, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, something absolutely. like that. And the same thing goes for your own self and your own history and your own experiences. It's like if you don't become aware of how you react and why you're reacting, 
that's like a whole thing You're in just itself. Compete in the same cycles over and over. Exactly. One hundred percent until you break that cycle. It's kind of like when they talk about generational curses. Right. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. They talk about generational curses, generational, um, you know, cycles, and and breaking those chains. It's like that's Gener- what all that is. Generational trauma. Yes. Oh gosh, generational trauma, girl. I feel like generational trauma at times, like. I don't know, when you really study and learn trauma, you you just the way the mind works is incredible. But what people don't realize how generational trauma works is like, say for example, your parents had gone through trauma and they never healed that. Mm-hmm. They are like they're projecting it. They're onto projecting you. it onto Whether they you. Unintentionally, intentionally, yeah. Whatever the case may be, they project it onto those around them. Yeah. Including and you don't, children. And you don't realize that that was a big one for me. And honestly, it kind of scared me. My daughter was um, specifically like this, this kind of came up for me. It's like when I was actually really struggling with my PTSD and, um, within that my coping skill at one point was to numb it out and to drink. And so like drinking became like a little bit of a vice that when I was struggling that day, that was my way to just shut it down, not doing it, not dealing with it. Well, put it off for another day, put it off for another day. Well, then I found that, okay, I was doing that a couple of days a week. And I was just like, well, wait, I don't want to do this because I grew up with my dad being an alcoholic and what that did. And actually was almost like the seed to a lot of the trauma that I had experienced. And it was just like, my daughter was the same age I was. And I, now that I'm aware and I, I could assess and go, I don't have a problem right now, but I don't want this to become a problem. So I need to start becoming aware of this. And it's trippy because I'm like, you know, Ashley, you're not an alcoholic. You're not, str- you know what I mean? Like right. you're not your, you're you not your again, dad. And again, seeing how it evolved yeah. in the past yeah, and how something started and then evolved into something else. And then being able to see that same pattern yes. beginning. Yes. You're able to put a stop on it. But I put it, yeah. And I was able to put a stop on it. But it's like, okay, well, I mean, I can drink in celebration. or You don't just you just don't want to do these things because you're trying to numb out or exactly. deal with it in this way, right? It yeah. can't be a coping skill. It becomes a negative coping skill. So, so, yeah, that was trippy for me to kind of navigate because I was just like, well, wait a second. Why? Well, why do I have to? Do, like, you know, you, you always say like, you don't want to deprive you yourself defensive. of things. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, I don't have a problem. So like, but it's like, no, you're just being preventative. Like you're aware because you have these experiences and it, you don't want to, you don't want like to trying. It, it, it's, it's that it goes back to that whole attempting to make our children's lives better than what we had. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the, the children nowadays have it in, in so in so many ways, so much better than we've ever had it in history. Yeah. But at the same time, not, you know? And so yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's tricky. But with that, we don't think about, it's always like, we want to give our kids more than what we had, but it's usually from a physical or finance perspective, mm-hmm. not a, not a mental or and right. those pieces from and that. Those I want to teach important. them differently. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's, that's how you break cycles. That's how you break, you know, that process that when, so when my daughter was at that age, I actually at that time started learning, um, meditation and just different like calming tools and stuff like that. And so, and in eating really, really well. So I got into like clean eating and, and just taking care and self-care. But at that time, my daughter was five and I was like, I'm going to teach her this as I go. And like this little girl, she's nine years old. She eats like every vegetable, every, so it's like, you know, you change. My, fa- my young, our youngest daughter, uh, her favorite food in the world is cauliflower. 
Oh and my I, God. Yeah. That's awesome. The same thing. Like trying to change those patterns that I've seen. Yeah. In history. And people and, go, yeah. how do you get her to eat vegetables? How do you get her to eat so well? And it's like, because I taught her. Like, yeah. because I taught her. And you don't realize how easy it is to go, you know, let's get something quick or like whatever. But it's like, take the time and teach them these basic yeah. tools. You know exactly. what I mean? But it might. Our, our, our youngest daughter, Ellie, uh, she, she was having a conversation. They were having an argument, um, with the neighborhood kids mm -hmm. and she was the moderator, <laughs> which of course. Is like, yeah, <laughs> so her. Um, but she was talking, she, she started, uh, basically preaching to them about growth versus, uh, fixed mindset. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> she's seven. That's hilarious. so it's a matter That's of a, what they're exposed to. I was going to say, know? it's a matter. It's the parent thing. You yeah. can tell immediately, <laughs> yeah. like, but she also, she's, um, she inherited, I have, I've suffered from severe anxiety and o uh, OCD for years, yeah. most of my adult life. And she un unfortunately has inherited my anxiety yeah. issues. And it's something that I've been very aware of and, and have tried not to have her have the same issues, yeah. but you know, sometimes there's that, you know, genetics. Genetics. Yeah. Oh, genetics. Yeah. <laughs> genetics. yeah. But she has so many more tools in her tool belt yeah. for dealing with it. She knows that when she starts to get frustrated, she can ground herself. Mm -hmm. And she, whenever she grounds herself, it's so funny because she will literally plant her feet shoulder width apart, grounding herself into the earth and, mm. oh, and just so to that. be able to watch how at seven, yeah. I never in a million, first of all, I didn't even know what anxiety was. Yeah. Like I felt it but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't put a name to it. And I certainly didn't have the coping mechanisms to be able to deal with it. Yeah. And so being able to see that progression in her is, is a tremendous. That's amazing. I feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we nail it and sometimes, you know, we, we miss the mark, oh, but yeah. we, we, we do our <laughs> we best. Try. We try. I was, uh, I was nine years old when I started experiencing anxiety and anxiety was actually in my family. So it was mm -hmm. something that that was like, I became aware of because I witnessed it right. with my, my aunts and my grandmother. And, but with that, I also witnessed how they medicated and that's for what I me, was as well. yeah. And so to witness them with being medicated and Xanax being just like a regular thing, I just really always was against medicating. And so it was like, I always wanted to figure out the natural, but again, at nine, I didn't really know what was happening. Right. Um, I had a bunch of other medical issues that I was experiencing. And at the same time, looking back is that's when my dad like left back to Texas and like, you know, there was a lot of turmoil there. So it was just this like, and I was nine, I didn't know how to process all of that stuff that was going on. And then inadvertently it ended up developing in ways where I got into a bad relationship like a couple years down the road. And then I was repeating the same cycle. And it's just like so bugged out because I had that moment where I was able to kind of reflect and like become aware. And I'm like, I am literally repeating this cycle and I don't want to do this. So when you become aware and mm -hmm. just take that moment and learn those tools, you can change the you can change your whole life. You can change your whole generation. Like you can change your yeah. kids' lives. Like it's yeah. power. And if you start passing that on to others. Yeah. Sky's Great things can happen. Amazing. I love this. I had no, okay. So we just jumped right into it. I'm going to give you guys a quick little backstory. Um, 
to how I know Raylene. I know all these incredible women, y'all, and I'm so excited to bring people onto this this show and just have these conversations. But what's really dope is that I'm actually learning <laughs> even more about the people that I already admired that I was just like, I liked you already. And now it's like, I like you even more. I love you. You're like my sister. Um, so it's like just such a such a tribe I feel like that's developing from doing these episodes Amazing. because like just having real and raw conversation and, and taking that intentional time out, right? Because that's, I mean, that's what we're doing. We're saying, okay, we have an hour. We're going to sit down. We're just going to go for it. We're going to talk. And um, that intentional time, it's like most, you, you just don't always make the time to do that and dive right in, right? right. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what's really cool about these episodes. Um, so to give context, uh, Raylene, how, how did we meet? Oh my goodness. I know, I know you were my client. Right? I, I did your hair. You did my hair. Uh, and actually, it was in those moments that I did your hair, and I only did it a handful of times, but in those times, like, that's when I, like, got to know you and kind of learned, like, oh, this chick is a badass. Like, I think, oh, my goodness. I think it just different community events. I was going to say. Rotary. I, no, no. Not. Rotary was later on. It was much later on. That was recent. But, like, I'm not sure. Like, somewhere down the line. We Social up, media. And I kept probably it's 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 probably I do this thing where it's like I add people on Facebook I get to know them through there and then like I see them out in the community and then I like so there's always like this crossover I think it was like no like I seen you around added you groups on social media and stuff in our community and interacting on there yeah and then becoming Facebook friends and then bumping into each other at all the community events and stuff I think that's what it was I think it grew from there yeah and now we've posted a couple of events I know (laughs) well and then that's when I feel like we really like got a chance to like spend a lot of get to know each other a little bit more because we actually uh worked together recently a couple months ago I I woke up one day and said I want to put together a Hispanic heritage event in my city (laughs) that has never done it before and um and it was it was literally incredible. It was we the put best. together in what, like three, four weeks? Uh huh. Yeah, and that's why I was like, "Oh, she's my people right here." This is a different. This is a yeah. We're we're a different breed of woman when it comes to just like we don't make need it happen. to. Yeah, we just make it happen. Like we'll figure it out. Like just jump in. We don't have to overthink this. Let's just get it done. And I think that's why too. Like it was so great because um, we were we were audio clipping back and forth on Messenger and that was li- literally oh, our yeah. only form of communication, I think, the whole way. It's like, how did you plan this? No committee meetings, no, nope. like, nothing. <laughs> just just an audio, audio clip. Clips. I think we met in person once. <laughs> and um, in, in a matter of three weeks, we put together this event. Um, it was the first of its, of its kind in our city. And uh, part of the reason why I wanted to do it was my my family is actually um, my husband's Puerto Rican, my kids are half Puerto Rican, and we moved to Texas. And like, there's not a lot of Puerto Ricans here, and so we thought because I mean we even we met so many people that night too that That's were just awesome. like were like everything, every nationality, which was so cool. But it was just for me one of those things that I was just like. I want my kids to like have these experiences, but I want my community to have the, this experience mm-hmm. too, like for us to all come together. And the thing about Hispanic culture that I love, because um, I've been around Hispanic culture for, for oh my gosh, it feels like almost my whole life. Um, and it's just, it's all about community. It's all about connection, food, fun, music, spending time together, which is just such a need. And I thought that would be a cool way to do it. And 
It was just such a great yeah, event. It was awesome. It was so it's good. Awesome. And I'm already looking forward to next year. Yeah, we're Should gonna we get the city audio clips now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, girl. That was I, well because we gotta go bigger, <laughs> right? How did how we how we did that? And I, I want to say I'm gonna guesstimate that there were maybe like 200. 250 people. I think there were times like I stepped out from the tent and like walked around and we did it in a park. And when I walked around, it was like every part of the sections we created were like full. Like there were just, and it was crazy because it was like long strip to walk down. And that made me nervous. So I'm like, it's not going to look like it's very packed. Like people are going to be so spread out. And then, you know, you go to the food area and it was like, jamming and it was packed and all the vendors were like half of them like sold out of their their products so it was just it was so good it, it was, was it was a great night such a vibe the music was amazing the people were amazing yeah it, it was, was a, it was a great sense of community absolutely and that's what it's all about and con- connecting with people and so through that so like so that's how me and Raylene really kind of just like dove in more to just knowing more about each other but like I said just even coming to this table I I knew that you had such a huge heart I knew that you had you had an incredible story somewhere up in there and I didn't even know all of it I just knew that there was something and there's something to be said I feel like people that um I think I've done that work too of healing and you know, having a, like a greater understanding of people and wanting to connect, I feel like you can feel that even on a basic, simple level when you meet them. Yeah. I'm like a vibey person. It's an attractor. Yes. It's a magnet. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to heal or, you know, to show up and you got to get messy in that. You got to kind of embrace the chaos. You kind of have to like go through the fire And um, I had this saying when I was going through those moments of trying to figure out my own stuff, I was like, I need to go and find those demons and see what they're feeding on because I need to starve them out. Like that was, that was the, that that was the quote in my head that when I struggled, it was like, you got to do the work, girl, do it. It's messy. It's hard. You can't have shame about it. You can't feel guilty about it. You got to, you just got to do the work. Yeah. And when you do honestly the most incredible that's the beauty comes out on the other side like you walk away and go oh my gosh there was purpose in that pain there was you know this this can happen now I can show up like this now and help the next person and that's really what it's about for me it's helping the next person I'm super proud of everything you've done and everywhere you're going and the things that are laying out in front of you (sighs) I'm super excited to see where everything goes me too like, I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> I don't know where it's going, but you know, but I'm, super we, proud I'm of you. here for it. I'm gonna keep thinking. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's a journey. And mm-hmm. what's cool is like I'm I'm documenting it in a in a unique way because I've never documented it from an audio perspective like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be really interesting through these conversations. What kind of comes out? Because I am a person that just jumps right in and like see what we talk about. Right, Let's yeah. see. Yeah. So I love that. Well. Thank you so much for being a Thank you for guest. Me. I appreciate it. So. so officially, y'all, this is okay. So just a quick backstory or, or to this wrap up. Um, you are my tenth episode. Fantastic. And so in my chaos, I was not getting these recordings done. I was supposed to launch this podcast. Um, girl, like a month and a half ago, <laughs> a little behind schedule. You know, it's okay. It but the best things came from it because I was able to kind of like navigate things um, in that time without having the vulnerability of putting it out there and having outside opinion. 
Right. If that makes sense. So it's like, I got to go through this process and I'm like, I'm going to develop these 10 episodes and um, I'm just going to jump in and let it be messy. We'll figure it out. But now that I'm done with these 10 episodes, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what this show is going to be. And it's like, and I got to figure it out without. And how does that feel? It feels like, I don't, I don't, you just put me on the hot spot. Like, (laughs) and how does that feel? Okay, Oprah. Um, (laughs) No, it feels honestly like it feels, it feels, it feels like a blessing. It feels like there is like some kind of calling that I felt and it almost kind of solidified. Like, okay, girl, yeah, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, it's all good. Because, you know, you get those things that kind of come to you and you're like, what? Should I be doing that? Right. I don't know. I Like, that, am I? That like risk factor. Yeah. And you kind of question like, you know, but why? Why? Like, do, why do I want to put myself out there like that? Why do I want to? And then as things, you know, kind of progress and I had these started having these conversations with women. And they're they're very dynamic. I mean, every every show is a little bit different, um, and I'm so excited about that. And I'm just like, I get it now. Okay, God, I see what you're doing. <laughs> I understand now. Okay, I'm here for it. Like, and even on days I'm like, oh, really? I don't want to be here for it, but I'm going to do it anyways. Okay, let's see. So yeah, it's I'm excited. I'm I'm curious I'm to see where it goes. I have a high level plan. Like it's very high level. But my high level plan in life was when I got to forty. I was, I wanted to go into speaking, educating, and, um, and I wanted to write a book and the book was going to be called beauty and chaos. And I wrote a whole poem about the beauty and your chaos. And, um, and then I had this realization that I'm about to be 39. I better start laying the groundwork. And that's kind of where this stuff started coming about. And so I'm really proud of myself for laying that groundwork. And I could see it very clearly that in a year from now, I'm going to write that book. You and, where you want to be. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So well, we're so. enjoying the journey and watching you grow. Oh, and thanks. I love it. Thank you. Oh, and thank you for being a, a phone call audio clip away. Oh, no, anytime. Because <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it'll get messy. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll be navigating some things. Be like, what do you think? Especially now that I know you got this whole psychiatric background, girl. <laughs> I didn't know all that. I knew you were like going to school and getting your master's degree and like, you know, you have a passion for for mental health and stuff, but I didn't know it's that capacity. So you just got um, thrown into being my therapist on the side. <laughs> <laughs> a little side hustle. <laughs> we all right. have to have them. Right, exactly. So is there anything as we wrap up that you want to share or um, last bit of knowledge or uh, any references or anything like that before we close out? Mm. I think going back to the book that I recommended, mm-hmm. Stronger, there is one particular resiliency trait that I see in you that I absolutely love and it's active optimism. Mm. And I see it in you every time we see one another. And even whenever you're having those days where it's just like, Oh, nothing's falling in, in, in place the way I wanted it to. You still have this level of active optimism that I admire and I encourage. Mm. And I love it. Thank you. So, oh, I appreciate that. It's it was it's it been a work in progress. <laughs> it doesn't always come naturally to no. people. Well, no. I you know what? If you I, genuinely, if you work on it and you just show up every single day, it gets easier, if, and easier. Even if it's just a little bit, it almost becomes a natural way of life. And yeah. I think that's a lot of times 
honestly, I think that's what's happened is it's become this natural way of yeah. thinking. Active optimism, relentless tenacity. I like that. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. ooh. Keep, keep throwing those words out. We're going to yeah. make some merchandise and sell that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need some t-shirts with that. Active <laughs> optimism. That's me, girl. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being my guest. I'm sure all of my guests are incredible. I'm sure I'm going to have you guys back on again and and have more conversations, especially about mental health. It is an area that should definitely be actively actively talked about actively optimistically yeah well thank you again so much yes absolutely all right y'all so don't forget to check us out we are on the gram you can go and check out beauty behind chaos podcast if you were inspired by this or if there's something that kind of jumped out at you and you want to share go ahead and post up a picture put yourself out there um, be vulnerable. It will you will reap so many rewards from being vulnerable. But share your stories and tag us or use the hashtag Beauty Behind Chaos. I'd love to connect on social media and in real life. So thank you again. Uh, as always, one day I'm gonna get this right. As always, be beautiful, be bold, be you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks for kicking it with me until the end. If this episode inspired you, share it with a friend because when we learn, we live. And we can all use a pick-me-up. I would love to see if you benefited or enjoyed this episode. Use the hashtag beautybehindchaospodcast. See you next time, beauty.